0: I'm Elena Landsberg-Lewis, your host of Grandmothers on the Move, the podcast that kicks old stereotypes to the curb. Come meet these creative, outrageous, authentic, adventurous, irreverent and powerful disruptors and influencers. Grandmothers, from the living room to the courtroom, making powerful contributions in every walk of life. We know them most intimately as loving caregivers, the older women in our lives with a thousand stories about their grandchildren and pictures in their purses. In this podcast, you'll come to know even more about our grandmothers. They are galvanized, determined, and are guaranteed to get you thinking. What drives them? What are they up to? What is the potential of grandmother power, and how is it changing the world? Grandmothers are on the move you don't want to be left behind. Hi, it's Ilana. Welcome to Grandmothers on the Move. In this episode, I wanted to do something a little different, speaking to two women who are grandmothers and great grandmothers, challenging our notions of what that word means, and absolutely kicking old stereotypes to the curb in completely different and interesting contexts. Dori Jacobson from the US challenges the whole label of grandmother and works to redefine aging in her blog and work on the website Senior Style Bible. And Ida Jonas Dottir Herman, originally from Iceland, speaks about being chronologically gifted and it 93 does everything from paragliding to ziplining. Here are the two of them one after another. I know you'll enjoy meeting them. Let's start with Dory. Dory, welcome. It's wonderful to have you. Here. Thank you.
1: It's wonderful to be here.
0: I'm very tickled about our interview today because I, I love what we're going to be talking about and so interested to hear from you. And when we were first in touch, Dory, you were extremely honest and you let me know that you didn't think that you were a good candidate for an interview on this podcast, which is called Grandmothers on the Move, because you've been battling with the media to stop calling you grandma in their coverage of what you're doing with the Senior Style Bible. And so I thought we'd dive right in and talk about that. Tell me more about what's behind this effort of yours to change the way the media is labeling you as grandma.
1: I'm trying to change the idea of the picture of aging today. Being a grandmother just simply does not define who I am. While it's a pleasure, it's certainly no great accomplishment. And the media labels senior women as grandma as though this is the main role that they have in life. I just believe that the title promotes ageism and sexism. You never see accomplished men referred to as grandpa. I have a son, grandson, and four great granddaughters, and To me, they are the only ones who should be calling me grandma because that's my role to them and only to them. I think it's a term that that really gets my back up. I think it's demeaning to older women, actually. What's the first thing you think of when you hear the term grandma or granny? It's that little old white-haired lady sitting in a rocking chair. She's certainly not wearing skinny jeans and stiletto heels and out there accomplishing (laughs) anything. That's true. She's babysitting her grandchildren. She goes to play bingo once a week. And once in a while, she imparts a few words of wisdom to her children and grandchildren. And that's the picture. She's probably a little dotty, you know, she's not quite with it. It's certainly a far cry from who we are this generation. We are nothing like the women that our grandmothers were. And I think it's time that we took a look at it and redefined what aging is today. It's totally different.
0: I've thought about this a lot over the years and I come at it from a different place myself. I often make the joke, I've used it on this podcast as well, that when men get older, they become elder states But when women become older, they're grannies and it's not a promotion. <laughs> and, exactly. exactly. And I think Norman Rockwell didn't help us with the granny and the rocking chair with the lace cap. <laughs> part of the motivation for this podcast has been on my part to redefine the word grandmother so that it is synonymous with other stateswoman because there are so many older women who are making these extraordinary contributions and still very vital. So I've come at it from a completely different angle, which is trying to reclaim the word and give it the fullness that it is. But you're absolutely right that it's related that it's about the relationship to grandchildren but in your own right as an older woman you are in fact a separate autonomous being and I completely admire and appreciate what you're saying and I wonder what you think and since you and I are being completely candid with each other I actually think it's an important conversation what do you think about the idea and I, I know I'm asking a question that may not get the answer that I was hoping for <laughs> but what do you think <laughs> what do you think about the idea of the possibility of reclaiming And reframing. I certainly hope
1: I hope you're able to do it, but I just don't see it happening. Uh, What about all those older women who are not grandmothers? Are they something less for not having produced children? I just don't see the term grandmother defining these accomplishments of these women. And they certainly have accomplished wonderful things, yet the term is still demeaning. I'd like to see us create a word that shows a more modern way of looking at aging that celebrates the ages lifestyle, where age is just a number and people are celebrated and admired for their life experiences and not labeled.
0: I love that. And I know that you are still active in fashion and have this website and blog, the Senior Style Bible. And if I can be so bold, I certainly understand and, as I said, endorse yours. Assertion on your site that it's ridiculous that older women are not seen as beautiful and alluring. But I wanted to ask you, as a feminist, and I know that you are one too, isn't this still attaching a woman's value to her looks and her appeal to men? And I wanted to ask you, can you help me understand this better since I know you've thought a lot about this?
1: Well, unfortunately we live in a society that judges us by our appearance. It's the first impression. Fashion is a form of communication and what we wear and how we take care of ourselves. It tells the world how we feel about ourselves. Unfortunately that's true. We are combating ageism by showing that older women can look cool and relevant in a trendy outfit and saying I'm not past my sell-by date. Uh, (laughs) Talk to me. I have something of value to contribute. You walk into a room full of strangers, they don't know how interesting and bright you are. They can only judge you by your appearance. So it is unfortunately something that we deal with every day and it is part of who we are and being an alluring and even sexy woman, I don't think it's really attaching the value of your looks Appeal to men. You do it for yourself. I think it's very important for any woman at any age to feel sexy and attractive simply for herself. It's one of the ways we connect with our femininity. Part of being a woman and it gives you the self confidence. Whether you want to display your sexiness, it's a personal choice. But I think it's important for you to feel alluring. What to do with it is up to you.
0: <laughs> right. And perhaps I'll follow up with <laughs> a question about that because I know that you have an impressive of life as a fashion model, and a commentator on older women's lives and sexuality. And I've seen what you've written, and I remember breaking barriers, talking about intimacy, sexuality, and sex for older women. Tell me more about this, because it's still such a taboo and hidden subject.
1: Oh, very much so. And the women of my generation could not talk about it. It was something that you were either a good girl or a bad girl. And if you had sex before marriage, you certainly didn't discuss it with anyone. See, sexuality? is a discussion that is really about being comfortable in the skin that you're in and women today are liberated. We can talk about sex and uh, becoming sexually active at an older age. You know, our children don't think that we are but (laughs) (laughs) there are a lot of senior women out there that are going out dating for the first time. They're on these dating sites and they're becoming intimate and they're talking about it. They need to talk about it. You know, it used to be that women to be sexy in their late teens and mid-30s and that was it, game over. We're expected to pick up our sexuality, cover up our bodies and disappear. But that's not happening anymore. So it is something that we need to discuss, whether it's with a partner or whether it's simply a sexual gratification, masturbation, they still talk about it. And I think it's a wonderful thing that we can talk about it. So Senior Style Bible does address that and uh, women come back and ask questions and they feel comfortable having a platform where they can discuss these things now.
0: True. You're reminding me of, I don't know if you've seen the show, Gracie and Frankie. Jane I Fonda. love it. I love it. I love it. And, it's, and,
1: and that is a perfect platform. That's a perfect thing to discuss because there are women that are in their seventies and they've invented this vibrator for older women with arthritis it. in their hands. And it's just it's <laughs> fabulous. You know, getting back into being sexually active women and talking about it and it's like making it funny but it's also very relevant.
0: Exactly and that brings me to a subject that I did want to touch on because I know that a lot of the attention that you've had is because you were in your 20s a Playboy Bunny and when you think about it how do you think that that experience informed what you're doing now in life? Well being a Playboy
1: Bunny was a very liberating experience. I was an attraction and yet it gave us a License to be sexual and yet still be respected. In those days, that was something that was unheard of, really. You know, you were off automatically being nasty. <laughs> so it had an effect on the rest of my life in that you develop a great deal of self confidence because you are admired. You feel that you can be a sexual, liberated woman and still be not a trashy it was a totally different kind of experience and something that you do take through your whole life it was the beginning of the sexual revolution
0: really and i know that as you said you are a grandmother and aside from the desire not to be labeled as just a granny and insisting on a more gender equal way of seeing older women has being a grandmother changed the way you see the world or your experience of it and what do you hope to pass on to your grandchildren and what they will learn from the way that you are living your life now
1: Unfortunately, I am not a hands-on grandmother because my grandchildren live in California and I don't get to see them that often. So uh, my my grandson is a Marine. They move around a lot. He spent three years in Japan, although I did visit there. So I'm not really involved in their daily lives, but I certainly hope to make the world a better place where they do away with discrimination in all forms. And that's really what I'm fighting for. And hopefully there will be some changes so that they will grow up in a better place.
0: Yeah, for sure. And the the women that I've been speaking to on this podcast, for a lot of them, becoming a grandmother gave them more impetus in a sense to look to the future. I spoke to one woman in New York who's a gerontologist. It really struck me what she said to me. She said, grandmothers are actually the most forward-looking people on the planet.
1: That's a very very interesting observation and really quite true, I think.
0: I think so too. What do you see for yourself in the next few years? years? Well, as far
1: as senior style Bible is concerned, the reason that I started it was that I fortunately have been blessed with good health and energy and need to be productive. But there are so many women out there that reach the age of 50 or 60 and suddenly start to feel invisible and lose their self-confidence. And what I'm trying to show is that aging does not have to be something that you fear. It is a new chapter in your life. And It's time to redefine what it is to become active, become involved. And hopefully, we will be able to reach the media... And make some changes in that respect, because that's what we're really trying for, to redefine aging. And that's really my purpose.
0: Yeah, I think it's a really beautiful and important purpose. Well, listen, when you come up with that new word, let me know. <laughs> and I, I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm out there really trying for that new word. I'm going to try to. <laughs> I, I love the idea, and I'm going to spend some time thinking about it. <laughs>
1: Okay. Maybe we'll become the Golden Girls. That was a good one, too.
0: Well, I, thank you so much, Dori. I know it was a, oh, it's been a lot of fun and a
1: pleasure. <laughs> and, and what you're doing is wonderful.
0: And now I have a very energetic conversation with an energetic guest, Ida Jonasdottir Herman. Ida is originally from Iceland, and she calls herself somewhat of an adventurous, although I don't know, Ida, how you could get to be much more adventurous <laughs> so welcome to Grandmothers on the move.
2: Thank you very much, Alana.
0: Ida, when you were telling me a bit about yourself, I was completely overwhelmed by what an extraordinarily rich life. I'm going to ask you about Dell, your husband of 70 years and how you met and you had 10 wonderful children. And at 93 years old, you have 17 grandchildren, 18 great-grandchildren and six great-great-grandchildren. And on top of all of that, which must keep you very busy, I imagine, you're an extremely active person. You've gone river rafting and Colorado, paragliding in Utah and Iceland, ballooning in Texas, ziplining in Minnesota and Iceland, and then I understand your dream of ice cave climbing in Iceland came to fruition this last June. And you also published a memoir, Growing Up Viking, which people can get on Amazon. And two of your grandchildren, Eric Herman and Heidi Herman, are also authors. And Ida, you know, for some of us, you, you put us to shame with all of these pursuits. So let me start by asking you, how did you ever have the time for, with all of these children in your life, have the time for and the imagination for all of these extreme physical experiences?
2: I guess maybe that I've always been adventurous, even from with you to find out, uh, reading my memoir of growing up in Iceland. I was eight years old and I was climbing up the rocks and climbing over everything that I possibly could. (laughs) Always had that in me, what's on the other side of that mountain? And then when I got to the top of that mountain, what? on this other side of that mountain, you know? And then, of course, what's on the other side of the ocean? And then one day I got to find that out. Yeah, but during World War II, I went to a dance and I met an American sailor who asked me to dance. And we did very little talking because he didn't speak Icelandic and I didn't speak a whole lot of English. But I didn't understand when he asked me to come back the next night, which I did. <laughs> and believe it or not, at that time, he asked me to marry him. I wasn't sure what he was talking about until he motioned to his ring finger. Alana, I said yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, that's taking adventure to new and terrifying heights. <laughs> <I know. laughs> but you did end up being married for seventy years.
2: I lasted for seventy years, so it must have been true love, and had all these wonderful kids, and my life has been totally blessed. And as far as being busy, I've just always been busy, and always been able, and had the fortunate time of being able to go when I wanted to go someplace, and my husband was very supportive. Of on uh, a tight, he would look at me and he would say, "Woman, one of these days you're going to drive me crazy." <laughs> <laughs>
0: Did he ever accompany you on your river rafting and paragliding?
2: Uh, no. He he didn't go much much for that. And really the most of this happened by going different places. It happened in later years and at that time he was beginning to be quite ill. But I would go because I needed to have a break. Absolutely. But he was always very, very supportive. And
0: this isn't just something that you've done in your past. You've been engaging in all of these activities and imagining you ones right into your 90s you're still out there having these adventures
2: oh yes oh yes as a matter of fact last june is when i came back from iceland and i got to do some more fun stuff and the one thing that i always wanted to do was to fly like the seagulls in iceland and Mm -hmm. i got to do that by going paragliding and we went higher than the seagull i could look down the aha. There you are below me. I'm higher. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was just a lot, a lot of fun. And really, I'm 93, yes. But I don't think as old. I think rather as chronologically gifted. I'm just gifted <laughs> I by many years and I'm blessed and I appreciate it.
0: It's extraordinary. You must be a fearless woman. I mean, the things that you've taken on, many people would be afraid to do even in their younger years. And have you passed this on or Do you ever talk to your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren about this?
2: Yes, some, but always with a caution. I don't know what possessed me because (laughs) there there are some things when I think back on in 45, I mean, uh, you did hardly even heard of Iceland. And I didn't know much about America. I knew nothing about my husband. I knew nothing about their life in the United States. You know, the people all total strangers. And I could just say, hey, you, which I call my mother. Well, for years, I called her, hey, you. And I could take Coca-Cola, a cigarette, and the usual words that came with World War II. But once you're mixed in with other people that speak only one language, it doesn't take too long to pick it up. Although the pronunciation might be a little funny once in a while. And I did get myself into a little bit of a dilemma at times when I would talk about something was a catastrophe. <laughs> My husband looked at me, is that catastrophe? Yes. I said, it was a catastrope. He did roll this out. But then I (laughs) said, it was a terrible catastrophe. It was a pause. And then he said, honey, we say catastrophe. But you
0: you clearly mastered the language because you you speak it perfectly now. And I imagine with 10 children, they helped as well.
2: Oh, absolutely. It Mm -hmm. made a huge difference when they start going to school. That, you know, I really got going with the language quite a bit better.
0: So, with all of these children in your life, I assume they're all of different ages these many, many grandchildren and great-grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren. Do you see a young girl amongst them who you think takes after you and your spirited approach to life?
2: Yes, some of them do. Some of them are less crazy, maybe. But they all, every one of them are quite successful in their own way. They're all independent and all have made uh, good choices in their life. And I'm very, very, very proud of every one of them.
0: And do do any of them ever go with you on your adventures? Or is this something that's just special for you?
2: yeah. My youngest one goes with me, Heidi, and she's been the one that was really the instigator in provoking me into the writing. Uh, she saw all my little notes and pieces of paper here and there and <laughs> told me to put them together. And she's the one that's gone with me when I have going to Iceland. Yeah, she's quite adventurous.
0: You're 93. You're still very vital and active. You have this huge family. It sounds like you're all very close and proud of each other's accomplishments. How do you see aging and keeping vital?
2: Well, actually, what I see is the amazing thing that people are getting more and more aware that at 40 it used to be, oh, I'm getting a 50, haven't the Betsy? That was, uh, you know, almost the end of the world, you know, and then it got to be 60, retiring, then it got about 70, but really <laughs> I see that the 70s and 80s it's more like what used to be 40 and 50, and people are taking better care of themselves. I think they're more aware that you've got to keep moving. And that's my own motto, It just keep moving, keep moving. And
0: I can't imagine that it was common anywhere in your life for women to be taking on the kinds of adventures that you've taken on. How did you imagine a completely different kind of life for yourself?
2: I don't know whether it's in my genes or not, but it just seems like I've always been very active, even from the time when, like I said, I used to climb the cliffs back in Iceland. But later years, my husband and I started in the flipping homes, and my job was always up on the rafters. And even as late as 80, I was still going up on the ladder and up into doing the duct work and electrical up in the rafters. And wow. just that movement, I think, is what kept me going. I always have. I can't explain it. I don't know why it is. Mm-hmm. But like I said, maybe just, just in my genes.
0: Did something change for you, Ida, when you first became a grandmother and, and then a great grandmother?
2: Absolutely. I always just hope for the very best, naturally. We all do. The encouragement that I had with my kids was to just keep going, and things may turn out to be a little bit bad, but hey, the sun comes up tomorrow morning.
0: And then every now and then you manage to get back to Iceland.
2: Oh, absolutely. Hey, that that works for me. Tomorrow I'll be heading for New Jersey and and then come back here to Minnesota. Then I'll head for Colorado. Then I'll go to Utah. And I hope that I can spend a little time in Arizona in the wintertime. That's my dream anyway.
0: Beautiful. So at 93, you you've had all these adventures and lived so much life. Is there something that you still want to get to? What's the next thing for you, Ida?
2: Oh, the next thing... I am not quite sure. I'm just on such a roll because I really want to get out the word that after, you know, I think I mentioned that I had a stroke for over a year ago. And right after I had the stroke, I recognized that something was wrong. I know my body and I know exactly that this was something wrong, something different because I reacted immediately. They gave me a clock buster and I was out of the hospital in four days and I was able to jump my rope just to prove to my family that I I was okay. Everything was all right. And I went indoor rock wall climbing a month <laughs> after that. And uh, so, so um, you know, when you have a stroke, I want to yes. get it out there, recognize it right away, react, get help, mm-hmm. and you'll be all right. You can go for adventure as many as you like after that. And that, that's what I'm about.
0: That's extraordinary. You said that you think about getting the word out. Do you talk to other people about how to imagine this, these extraordinary lives?
2: Well, I try to I would talk to the different one. And when we do go out and have our Iceland presentation called Fire and Ice, I do try to get that in also about the stroke awareness. I believe it's May that is Stroke Awareness Month, but really to me, every month is a stroke awareness.
0: Right, of course. And for women in particular, it's really important to know about it and to know what the signs are. Exactly.
2: The first thing that my two sisters said, oh, I would have gone back to bed and pulled the covers over my head until I would feel better. And I thought the wrong thing to
0: do and how many siblings do you have Vita?
2: I have just two sisters left started out as six of us the brothers are gone mm-hmm. and my two sisters one is in Florida and she is 92 and a sister in Texas and she is 95
0: wow are they active like you
2: no not even one iota <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you're the one who brings that to everybody's life yep. do you have your next adventure planned
2: I do not have it planned outside of that. I do know that I will be in Iceland next August. They're having a hundred year anniversary of the Icelandic and Canadian immigration. Something always seemed to come along. I had no idea that when I went to Iceland in June, there, the television station up there asked me to let them do a program. And so they have a documentary on me coming up. Oh,
0: that's fantastic. (laughs) That would be a hoot. That will be a hoot. <laughs> oh, yes. It's, it's absolutely inspiring and lovely to speak to you. Now I feel like I must get out there and try something new.
2: Well, all I can say, Lena, go for it and don't put it off until one of these days I'm going to kind of a thing. Right. No, just go ahead and go for it and uh, you know, grab the ring while you can.
0: That's just I those are words to live by, Ida. Thank you so much. This has been as you say, just a hootful story. <laughs> And I know if people read Growing Up Biking, they're going to get much more of it.
2: Oh, thank you very much. I really appreciate speaking with you, Ilana. It's been delightful.
0: Thanks for listening. I'm Ilana Landsberg-Lewis, your host of Grandmothers on the Move. If you want to find out more about me or the podcast, go to grandmothersonthemove.com and come back next week for another episode.